Chickies. Today we get to delve into the story about when Jesus Christ was baptized by John the Baptist. Do you remember from last week that John the Baptist stayed near the Jordan River and taught all of Judea about Christ? People called him a wild man because he wore rough clothes made out of camel hair and he ate wild honey and locusts, which are a type of grasshopper. How would you like to live in the desert and eat grasshoppers for every meal? At the time that John was preaching to the Israelites near the Jordan River, there were two high priests at the same time who worked in the temple in Jerusalem. Their names were Annas and Caiaphas. Now, you might remember from the Old Testament that the high priests were the ones who were able to talk to the Lord on behalf of all the Israelites. They had very special and important jobs as the high priests of the Aaronic priesthood and were supposed to live good, righteous lives in order to set good examples for the Israelites. But Annas and Caiaphas were actually not very good men. They did not make righteous decisions and their hearts were not focused on the Lord. Because of this, God spoke to John the Baptist about what he wanted his children to learn and how to prepare them to meet Christ, even though it was technically a job for the high priests. But since Annas and Caiaphas chose not to live righteously, God chose John to help prepare his people instead. In fact, John the Baptist was the only Aaronic priesthood holder at that time who lived righteously enough to use God's priesthood power to baptize the Israelites. The prophet Joseph Smith helped to teach us that only those who live righteously and meekly and try to be like the Savior would have access to God's power. Well, John taught the Israelites that Christ was going to come soon and that they needed to prepare to accept his teachings by learning of his mission on earth, by having faith, repenting, and being baptized. You might be wondering what the word repent means. To repent means to change your heart or your mind for the better, or to turn your soul towards God. So when John was asking people to repent, he was asking them to try to become better people, to try to do what was good and kind and noble and loving. So anytime you try with all your heart to be better, kinder or more loving, you are repenting. John taught the people that it was important to repent because because the kingdom of heaven was at hand. This meant that they must prepare for Christ's teachings and ministry on earth, for he was there to teach them about heavenly father and how to return to him. As the prophet Isaiah from the Old Testament taught, Christ would come to earth to do many things, including taking away the sins of the world, saving all people who chose to repent, comforting those who are sad or lonely, being a light to everyone who feels like they live in darkness, and being resurrected from the dead so that we could one day be resurrected too. Resurrection means to have our spirits and our bodies joined together again sometime after we die. Isn't that wonderful to know that because of Christ, death does not mean the end of life? Well, Isaiah also taught that Christ would make all things fair and just and right, and that one day all people would recognize him as their Savior. 
These are some of the things that John the Baptist taught, and the Israelites came to him in large groups to confess their sins to him and be baptized. To confess their sins meant that they admitted to him the things that they did wrong, the times when they were selfish, disobedient, lazy, unkind, or hateful. And when they chose to be baptized by John, they were sending a sign to Heavenly Father that showed him that they wanted to repent and become better people. One day while John was baptizing people, groups of Jews called Pharisees and Sadducees came to visit him. When he saw them, he said, Oh, you snakes, why are you here? If you want to be baptized, you have to repent. You have to show the Lord that you want to turn to him first. I know that you guys don't believe in what I'm trying to teach. And if you don't believe my words, then you don't believe God's words, since his words are the words I'm teaching. And since you don't believe God's words, well then, you have no covering for your sins. Christ can't save anyone who doesn't have faith in him. So if you want to be baptized, you must repent and show Heavenly Father that you want to change. I can understand your thoughts. You are thinking to yourselves, well, since Abraham was one of our great, 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 great grandfathers, and we are some of his descendants, then we are the only ones who can have righteous children ourselves. God made special promises to Abraham about his children, and since we are some of his children, then only we can be saved." Yes, these are the thoughts you are thinking, but I tell you that since God has all power, he could create children of Abraham from those rocks lying on the ground. John said that to prove that being saved doesn't depend on who your grandparents are or who your children will be. You can choose to be saved and redeemed by Christ by having faith in him and by choosing to repent. John compared the Israelites to trees who bore either good fruit or bad fruit, depending on what their roots were like. The roots represented their decisions. If they made good, righteous decisions, then their roots were good and the fruit of their trees would be delicious. But if they made bad, wicked decisions, that meant their roots were bad and their fruit would be rotten. John said that it was time for an axe to chop down each tree. And if the tree produced bad, rotten fruit, then it would be chopped to pieces and burned up. The Israelites then asked John, Well, what should we do to produce good fruit then? And John said, Well, if you have more clothes or food than you need, then give them to the poor people who don't have any. Then a group of publicans came to John to be baptized. Publicans were Jews who worked for the Roman Empire. They would collect money from other Jews to then give to the Romans. So the Jewish people did not like the publicans. When they asked John what they needed to do to repent so that they could be baptized, John said, Don't take more money than what you need from your fellow Jews. And then... A group of soldiers came to John and asked him what they needed to do to repent so that they could be baptized. And John said, First of all, don't hurt anyone. Second of all, don't make up lies about other people. 
And third of all, be happy with how much money you make. Well, since the Israelites knew that Christ would appear soon, they wondered amongst themselves whether or not John was the Christ himself. When John found out that they were wondering this, he said, Oh no, I am not the Christ. I'll baptize you if you repent, but there is someone coming who is so much greater than I am. In fact, I'm not even worthy to serve him by helping him tie his shoes. He is going to baptize you with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Now, do you remember that this is what John told the priests and Levites who had come to him from the Sanhedrin, wondering who he was? When he told them that Christ was going to baptize them with fire and with the Holy Ghost, do you think that that means he would actually burn them up with fire? That is not true. John used the word fire to describe what it feels like when you repent or when you turn away from your sins and poor decisions to come closer to God. Sometimes it can feel like a warm feeling in your chest, which is the Holy Ghost letting you know that you've made the right decision. This feeling of fire in your chest means that Christ can see how hard you are trying to change and that he forgives you of your mistakes and wants to help you become more like him. This is what John meant when he talked about Christ baptizing people with fire and with the Holy Ghost. John also taught the Israelites that Christ was like a wheat harvester who would separate the grains of wheat from the chaff. Let me explain what that meant at the time that John said this. Once a wheat plant grew tall and was ready to be harvested, then workers would go and cut down the wheat stalks in the wheat field. Then the wheat stalks were thrashed, which meant that the thrashers would hit the wheat stalks in order to separate the wheat grains from the rest of the plant. The wheat grains are the useful part of the plant because the grains are ground up to make flour for us to use when we bake. Well, the rest of the plant that isn't good to eat is called the chaff. In order to separate the good wheat grains from the chaff, a person would use a tool called a winnowing fan to toss the wheat grains in the air on a windy day. The heavy wheat grains would fall back down to the earth to be collected, while the lighter chaff would fly away on the wind. After the wheat grains were collected, they would be brought to a garner or a storehouse, and the chaff would be burnt up since it couldn't be used for anything else. So, John taught that Christ was the one holding the winnowing fan, and he would separate the wheat grains, which represented those who had faith in him, from the chaff, which represented those people who did not believe in him. Well, just as we heard in the story from last week, Jesus did show up at the Jordan River when he was about 30 years old to be baptized by John. When he went down by the banks of the river to be baptized, John said, Wait a minute, I need to be baptized by you. So why are you coming to be baptized by me? The prophet Nephi teaches us in the Book of Mormon that since Christ was holy, he technically didn't need to be baptized, since baptism is a special way to repent of and be forgiven for your sins. Since Jesus had never sinned, why do you think he was baptized? Well, Nephi taught us that Christ was baptized because he wanted to be obedient to everything that Heavenly Father had asked of his children. 
Since Heavenly Father had commanded us to be baptized, then Christ set a good example for us by being baptized himself. So he asked his cousin John to please baptize him, and John did. And this helped Jesus live a perfect, sinless life because he did everything that his Heavenly Father asked of him. John took Jesus down into the Jordan River, and through the power of the Aaronic priesthood that he held, he said a special prayer and submerged Christ under the water. When Christ rose up from the river, John saw a dove flying down from heaven, and he knew that this was a sign from Heavenly Father that the Holy Ghost was with Jesus. Sometimes, Heavenly Father uses a dove to represent truth and innocence, which is what he wanted to show in this instance. At that moment, Heavenly Father's voice could be heard saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Can you imagine what it would be like to hear Heavenly Father's voice teaching you about his beloved Son? After Christ was baptized, he went around all of Galilee, teaching the people about God's kingdom, just as John the Baptist said he would. He walked down by the Sea of Galilee and called to him Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, who we met in our story last week. He also called two other men to follow him. These men were brothers named James and John, and they were also fishermen, just like Simon and Andrew. Christ and his followers, or his disciples, as we will call them, went to a town called Capernaum that was right on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. On the Sabbath day, Jesus taught in one of their churches, or synagogues, and he taught with such power and confidence that the listeners thought, Wow, he isn't teaching us what other wise men and scribes have said about the scriptures. Instead, he's teaching us as though he wrote the scriptures and the law of Moses. What they didn't realize was that Christ actually had written the law of Moses. He was teaching them with the authority of the one who had written the law. In the synagogue that day, there was a man there who had an evil spirit in his heart. And he said, Jesus, why are you here? Why don't you leave us alone? Are you here to destroy us? I know that you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus commanded the evil spirit to leave the man's body. And the evil spirit obeyed Christ's command. Everyone that saw what happened was amazed and said, What in the world is going on? Who is this man who can command evil spirits to do what he wants? Because of this, the stories about what Jesus taught and did spread throughout all the land. And Jesus became famous there. After Jesus and his disciples left the synagogue, they went to Simon's house. Simon was married, and his wife's mother was very, very sick with a fever. And once Christ found out, he went and healed her. She didn't have a fever anymore. And once people found this out, they brought Christ all the sick people they could, and all of the people who had evil spirits inside of them. And you know what Christ did? He healed the sick people and cast the devilish spirits out of the people who were possessed. And he commanded the evil spirits not to say anything about who he was, since he wanted the Israelites to believe that he was Christ because of the truth they would learn from the Holy Ghost, and not just what they had heard from an evil spirit. 
Now, in case any of you are wondering how it's possible for an evil spirit to enter somebody's body, there's no need to be scared. We are taught that Satan and his evil angels can only have power over us if we give them power over us. There's no need to fear. The prophet Nephi taught us that Satan can have no power over the hearts of people who are righteous. After a long night of healing people, Christ woke up early the next morning to have some alone time to pray. And his disciples found him there and said, Jesus, everyone in town is looking for you. And Jesus said, All right, let's go to the next town so that I can teach and heal the people there. And so Christ and his disciples traveled around Galilee, and Christ taught in their synagogues and got rid of devils. Well, as Christ was traveling around one day, a leper came and knelt in front of him. Lepers were people who had a skin disease that was very dangerous and very contagious. Leprosy would destroy the sick person's skin and nerves and cause them a lot of pain until they died. Since the disease was so dangerous, lepers had to live far away from everyone else so that they wouldn't get anyone sick. If healthy people came toward them, they would have to yell out the word, unclean, which let the healthy people know that they had leprosy and to stay far, far away from them. Once a person discovered that they had leprosy, they had to leave their families and their homes and live by themselves or with other lepers so that they would not spread their disease. Doesn't that sound lonely? Well, like I said, one day a leper came and knelt before Christ and said, Christ, if you want to, you can heal me. Christ saw this leper, and he felt compassion for the leper, which meant that he felt love for him and a strong desire to help him. So Jesus stretched out a hand and put it on the leper without any fear of catching the disease himself. And he said, I will heal you. Now, be clean. As soon as Christ said those words, the leprosy disappeared from the man completely, and he was healthy again. It was a miracle. Jesus then warned the man and said, Do not tell anyone that I have healed you. Instead, I want you to obey the law of Moses and go show yourself to a priest, offer a sacrifice, and be purified. This will prove that you are healed of leprosy and can return to your family and friends. Well, do you think the leper obeyed Jesus' commands? He did not. Instead, he went around telling everyone he could about what Jesus did for him. And because of this, Jesus became even more famous, and he couldn't even go into any of the cities in Galilee because there were so many people who wanted to see him. Instead, he stayed out in the desert, and people traveled out of their cities to see him. That's the end of the story for this week. I hope you have a great day. Goodbye!